Good morning. Hope you've had a great weekend so far. Glad we can start a new week together with God's people and worship to Him. Really glad you can be with us. I have a challenge for you before you leave. There is someone in this auditorium that you do not know. In fact, there's probably several someones. Um, Greet the unfamiliar faces. We're blessed with a lot of people here today, uh, visitors included. Uh, Make sure you meet somebody that you don't know and just say hi. The fact that we're all here says we're all trying to move in the same direction. And so we want to we be encouraging each other and getting to know each other. Those of you that are visiting, thank you for being here. Uh, we, we appreciate uh, you coming by. We like our visitors to know what our goals are here at Great Oaks. We're trying to simply be Christians. We're trying to be followers of Jesus Christ. And we're trying to help each other follow Jesus Christ. And if we can help you in your faith in any way, uh, we'd sure love to do that. We, we're, as, well, as I've already said, we're trying to move in the same direction. We're trying to help each other follow the Lord. And if we can pray with you or help you in any way, uh, please let us know. We're really glad you're here today. I want to put a seed in your head before we go any further. Um, if you got the bulletin this last week, this is the bulletin that comes out on Wednesdays. We have copies out in the lobby. They're also on the website. On the bottom of the front page, there's some dates to put on your 2023 calendar. If you get a chance, please do that. Uh, these are things that we hope are going to be great days for us. Hope we're going to uh, be times you can invite friends and family to come be with us. And the first one is Family Day, February 26th. Now, that may seem like a long way away. Seven weeks from today, and so it always sneaks up on us. So if you get a chance, be thinking about Family Day, the last Sunday in February. Make plans to be here. Be thinking of who you can invite. It can be physical family. It can be friends. It can be anybody that, that's part of your life. We'd love to have them here for what we hope will be a great day uh, seven weeks from today. This morning for our lesson, we are continuing a tradition. We made our tradition here at Great Oaks to have a theme for the year. What we do with this theme for the year, just something to to dig a little deeper on. Something that we can make a few sermon series off of. We don't do every lesson for the year off of the theme, but we'll have a few sermon series that, that are tangents off of the theme. And hopefully just plant some deeper seeds for future things that they can help us as a church family uh, make sure we are who God wants us to be. So last year's theme was Blessed and Blessing. It was our 30-year anniversary as a church family. We talked about how God has blessed us and how we want to be a blessing to our community. And this morning, we're going to introduce the theme for 2023. I hope it will be encouraging, and I hope it will be something to be good for us all year long. If you see the outline, here's how we're going to do it. I'm going to introduce where the theme comes from. I'll talk about why it's important and talk about a few ways we hope to live it out this year. And that'll be our study together this morning. Let's pray together, and then we'll get started on it. God, thank you so much for Lord's Day. We're thankful that you are the King, that you are the Creator, that you've made us, and that you continue to guide us in all our ups and downs. God, we know you're there, and we know you're our shield, and our glory, the one who lifts our head. And we pray that we will always stay close to you. God, as we gather today for worship, I pray that our worship has already been meaningful. I pray that our hearts have been with you. And as we open your word together, I pray the same thing. I pray that we'll be challenged and reminded. And I pray that what is said will be what you want to be said. Please bless us as we listen to your word. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Jerusalem had been completely destroyed in 586 B.C. If you know Old Testament history, um, this is the basic sketch of what happened. God had led the Israelites into the Promised Land. 
just, it's called the promised land for a reason. He had promised it to them. And so they lived there, but God had told them through the covenant of Moses, I will be your protection, but if you leave me, I'm going to remove my protection. And these bigger nations that surround you, they're going to come in and do what they do to all these smaller nations. They're going to come take you and conquer you and bring you off into exile. If you'll stand with me, God said, I'll always be your shield. But as the generations went on over about 800 years, uh, slowly but surely the Israelites drifted away from God. Until the time came when Babylon, the most powerful nation of the earth at the time, in 586 B.C., as we now call it, comes into Jerusalem and completely destroys the city. It's one of the lowest points in the history of God's people. Because they didn't know what was going to happen. Has God given up on us? Is the story over? All that God has done through Moses and Joshua and leading us out of Egypt and giving us a homeland and David and Solomon and all of the kings, is all that, is all that over? Are, are we done forever? Jeremiah the prophet had prophesied 70 years. 70 years God will bring you back home if you'll draw near to him. 70 years came and sure enough, a new king arose named Cyrus and he began letting the people go back to Jerusalem and start to rebuild. And they began to rebuild and they had ups and downs, but 70 more years went by and the city was still in shambles. At that time, God rose up a man named Nehemiah. And Nehemiah becomes a great example of courage and leadership in the Bible. There's a book named after him in the Bible. And Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king of Persia. And so he's, he's not in Jerusalem. He's over in Persia. But his brother comes back from Jerusalem in Nehemiah chapter 1. And Nehemiah asks, how's Jerusalem? And his brother says, it's in really bad shape. There's no wall. Our enemies can conquer us whenever they want. Everybody's beaten down. Everybody feels defeated still. And it hurts Nehemiah. To his credit, he loved God. He loved God's plan. It hurt him that the city that God had chosen years ago was still not what it should have been. And so Nehemiah prays and he fasts and he, and he asks God to bless him until finally the day comes that Nehemiah, as events came together, he had a chance to ask the king in Nehemiah 2.5, if it please the king, and if your servant has found favor before you, send me to Judah, the land around Jerusalem, to the city of my father's tombs, that I may rebuild it. Nehemiah did find favor in the king, and the king allowed Nehemiah to go back, and so he journeys back in Nehemiah chapter 2. It says as the chapter goes on, he was there three days and he had what, what would become well known in the Bible. As Nehemiah, he'd go out at night and he, and he looked around at night at all the walls and how they were broken down and how much work needed to be done. He hadn't told the people why he was there. He hadn't told them that he was coming to try to help rebuild. But finally, he gathers the people together. And a great passage to write down the outline, if you're keeping, us, keeping it with us this morning, is what Phoenix read just a minute ago. Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. Nehemiah gathers the people. says, Then I said to them, You see the bad situation we are in, that Jerusalem is desolate, and its gates burned by fire. Think about that. 140 years after it had been destroyed, still we're desolate and our gates are still sitting there burned. He says, come, let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem so that we will no longer be a reproach. 
I told them how the hand of my God had been favorable to me and also about the king's words which he had spoken to me because the king was supporting what Nehemiah was doing. And it says, Then they said, Let us arise and build. So they put their hands to the good work. From this point, it becomes a great success story. 52 days later, just 52, it's been 140 years, just 52 days later, the wall of Jerusalem was rebuilt with Nehemiah's leadership and all the people rallying around him. It all hinged on that statement. He says, let us rebuild, and the people say, let us arise and build. Our theme for 2023 is going to come from Nehemiah 2.18, let us arise and build. We have a program here, if you're visiting with us, called uh, Lads to Leaders. It's a program that's it's common in churches of Christ, and they always have a theme, and they always have books they're studying. This year, they're studying from Ezra and Nehemiah, and you might recognize that theme if you're part of Lads to Leaders this year, because that is the exact theme that Lads to Leaders has chosen. You know what we often do with our theme here at Great Oaks? We often study along the books that Lads to Leaders are studying, because our young people are studying it. We figure we'll study along with it as well. And sometimes our theme comes from it. But I don't think we've ever taken the exact theme. We thought it was a good one. We thought it was a good one. An idea, let us arise and build. And, and look back at that verse before we say more about it. it. It starts with Nehemiah saying, God has blessed me. The hand of my God has been favorable to me. An image that suggests God has been leading the way. He's been blessing me. The king, God has, has let the king give us blessings. And then the people, let us arise and build. To their credit, they didn't make excuses. To their credit, they didn't say, who are you? Why should we do what, what you say? They saw the problem too. And they said, let us, let's do something. Let, let's wake up. It's been 140 years. Let's wake up and let's build the wall of Jerusalem the way it should be. And then I love, I love that last sentence. So they put their hands to the good work. My prayer in 2023 is that we will all be putting our hands to the good work of God's kingdom and making sure we're doing what God wants us to do. Why do we think it's important? Why do we think let us arise and build is important? Well, I think the reason Lads to Leaders has chosen Ezra and Nehemiah to study and others, um, I went to Freed Harbor University, Christian College in Henderson, Tennessee. Many of you are familiar with it. Some of you may not be, but they have a lectureship each year. Their lectureship this year is studying Ezra and Nehemiah. The reason I think many people are gravitating toward Ezra and Nehemiah in churches these days is because we're all coming out of the defining generational event of our time, uh, the pandemic years of COVID-19, and a lot of Christians and a lot of churches are looking around and saying, you know, we've got some work to do. We've, we've drifted a little bit. We've, we've been distracted. We've been troubled. We, we've struggled. We, we need to rally things together and start serving God the way we used to and maybe even better than we used to. And so I think a lot of people are finding that and saying that that's something we need to do. Um, if you go out in the lobby, we have a new copy of the House to House magazine. And, and this week, that's going out to 2,000 homes right here around our building. In our part of that magazine, on the back page, we get to put something in it special from Great Oaks. And what we put uh, this, for this month is the story of the building of the Washington Monument. You might recognize the Washington Monument. It's in Washington, D.C. It's in honor of George Washington, our nation's first president, the one who led the army in the revolution um, against England in the 1700s. And they started building... Here's what happened with the Washington Monument. They started building it on July 4th, 
1848. So Washington's been, he's been dead a while, but, but they chose July 4th as the day of the Declaration of the Signing of Independence, and they put the cornerstone down, and they said, we're going to build this in honor of George Washington. And they built, and they built, and they built for, for six years, and then they stopped. It wasn't finished. Here's what it looked like. But the funds ran low. The nation was getting more divided. Then the Civil War came. And it just sat there, just like that, for 23 long years. Until 1877, someone finally said, that's not honoring George Washington anyway. That's just a half-built monument surrounded by a few little buildings. We need to get that going again. And seven years later, they finally completed the Washington Monument. But as one person said, that wasn't a monument that honored George Washington. That was a, that was a monument to unfinished business is what that was. And sometimes that's what we have in our lives. We have, we have unfinished business. We have things that we have not done that we should have done. Now, now some of those things aren't, aren't super important. So, some are more important than others. I, there's a little devotional book that, uh, that our, my mom gave me when I was a teenager. And, and looking back, I, I, I realized how much that book influenced my faith. But I remember there was one devotional in that book, and he used that term, a monument to unfinished business. He talked about uh, in San Jose, there was an overpass that they were building. And at some point, the funds ran out. So they just stopped. Just stop. The overpass was going up, and, and there, it just stopped right there. And there were gates that said, you can't drive this way. And he said the, the metal rails were sticking out like spaghetti from the end of it. You know how they do. And he said it was just a monument to unfinished business. That's all. Every time you drove by, you thought, well, we never finished that. Never finished that. You may have those things in your life. But every time you, you think about them or you see them, you, you think, well, that's just a monument to unfinished business. And again, some are more important than others. You can live without taking down your Christmas tree, if you hadn't taken down your Christmas tree yet. Uh, you, you can live without, the, without fixing the drywall in the back room. Uh, you can live without tearing down that bush that's, that's died and just looks bad in the front yard. Some, some things, some unfinished business, who cares? But when you start thinking about spiritual things, there's some unfinished business that's really important. Another example from Ezra and Nehemiah is building the temple. The generation before Nehemiah the first one that started to go back to Jerusalem when Cyrus the king came up and he said he'd go back very quickly. They, they, were, they were ready. They were, they were excited to be able to go back home. And so they, they, put the, they built the altar again where they would offer sacrifices and they put down the foundation of the temple of God. Now this is, this is the temple where everyone was supposed to come together and worship God. And they built the foundation. And it was this great celebration moment. But then as they started building, once again, they stopped. The enemies around them started getting upset that they were rebuilding and they started harassing them. And so for 15 years, God's temple just sat there, unfinished, a monument to unfinished business. Until finally, after 15 years, the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, if you wonder the background in your Bible of those books of the prophets Haggai and Zechariah, the reason they wrote what they wrote and said what they said is because God's temple wasn't finished. And everybody's just going about their life like they don't care. And so Ezra, Ezra 5 verse 1 says, When the prophets, Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo, prophesied to the Jews who were in Judah and Jerusalem in the name of the God of Israel who was over them, then Zerubbabel, who was leading the people of Israel, and Jeshua, who was the priest, they arose, notice the phrasing, sounds like the theme, they arose and began to rebuild the house of God, which is in Jerusalem. 
and the prophets of God were supporting them. And then in Ezra 6, 14, it says they were successful in building through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet and Zechariah the son of Iddo, and they finished building according to the command of the God of Israel and the decree of Cyrus, Darius, and Artaxerxes, king of Persia. Cyrus the king to let them go back. They were successful in building when they finally said, hey, let's get back to doing it. We've, we've just let this sit there. We just let the, and what they didn't know, here's what's inspiring to me. What they didn't know as they were rebuilding the temple and as Nehemiah, as Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall, what they didn't know was their best days were still ahead of them. Jerusalem would have its best days. Jesus would come. He would teach in that temple, a rebuilt one from this one. He would teach in the temple. He would teach in the streets of Jerusalem. He would raise from the dead in Jerusalem. The church would begin in Jerusalem. The message of the gospel would spread to all the world starting in Jerusalem. So its best days were ahead of them, but it didn't look like it when they started. All they knew was, we got some work to do. We hope this year to take inspiration from Ezra and Nehemiah in the hopes that as we put our hands to the good work of God, that our best days are ahead of us as well. Three ways I hope we can live it out in this last section this morning. The building theme is a good one because not only in the Old Testament do you have rebuilding the temple and you have rebuilding the wall, the New Testament refers to the church in at least Ephesians chapter 2 as a building. In fact, you might have noticed a couple of our songs that Tim led us in this morning talked about the foundation, the foundation of the church being Jesus Christ Himself. And you see that here in Ephesians 2. Notice what it says. Verse 19, You are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints. And you are of God's household, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus Himself being the cornerstone. Let me pause there a second. If the church is to be the church, we're going to try to emphasize this this year, it must be built on the foundation of the apostles and Jesus Christ. Sometimes we can do all sorts of crazy stuff and add our own ideas and, and think we know better than God, but God's church is built on what was taught by Jesus and His apostles. He said that, that's what it's built. That's the foundation of the church. It's what we're trying to do at, at, at here at Great Oaks in Churches of Christ. Verse 21, talking about that building that's built on the foundation of Jesus and the apostles, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling of God in the Spirit. You notice how he describes it? You have the apostles in Jesus who form the foundation, and as people come to God, as souls come to God for all time, we are built into that temple, a temple of the Holy Spirit, as Paul would call it in 1 Corinthians chapters 3 and 6. That you individually and I as Christians individually, if you're a Christian today, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit, God living in you. And all of us together are a temple of the Holy Spirit, God living in us. A building that's being built together by God. I noticed three things in that. Number one, this year we want to build our faith. Make sure we're building our faith in 2023. I don't know where your faith is at this morning. I don't know where it compares to where it was at this time last year. I don't know where it compares to this time five years ago, before the world uh, was, was gone crazy with COVID pandemics and all that stuff. I don't, I don't know where, you, where you're at. Even if you're the best place you've ever been, let's build. Let's arise and build. Let's be stronger than we've ever been. Let's make our faith more of what it 
more close to God and doing more for God than it's ever done before. Why not? What's, what's holding us back? As Ephesians 2.22 says, we are being built. God is building in us. But sometimes we have unfinished business. Hebrews 12.1 and 2 talks about how sometimes as Christians there's work yet to be done. Verse 1 says, therefore, and if you remember, right before this is Hebrews 11. We call it the hall of faith. He describes all those people of faith who came before us. And then he starts what we call chapter 12 as we divide it up. He says, therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, all these people who live for God, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter. What a great description. The author, he started it and he's going to perfect it of faith. Who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. It says, look at Jesus and the full commitment he gave to us. And let us, back in verse 1, lay aside whatever's holding us back from giving that full commitment ourselves. What's keeping you from sprinting in your faith? Is it a sin? Is it busyness? Is it just you haven't grabbed yourself by the back of the neck and said, let's arise and build? Whatever it is, what's holding you back? Let's take steps this year to get rid of the unfinished business in our faith and start building our faith where it needs to be. Secondly, I hope this year we're going to build our relationships. Build our relationships with each other and then just the relationships in our life, living the way God wants us to live. Again, back in Ephesians chapter 2, you might have noticed he says we're being built together into a dwelling of God. There's a reason God made a church. It's to bring us together, those that are trying to follow God, to bring us together, to help each other, to lean on each other to share prayer requests, to share struggles, to to, to have someone alongside you when you know you need to recommit yourself and to step forward with the Lord, to have a group of people that will walk hand in hand with you. It's what the church is supposed to be. What everyone recognizes has been a big struggle from the last few years is that people are more disconnected than, than we were before. We were distanced. We were afraid to be with each other for health reasons. There's a lot, of, a lot of bridges that need to be rebuilt in our relationships. We want to keep doing that this year. I hope some of those bridges started to be rebuilt last year, and I hope more will be rebuilt this year and more the next year and so on. Aaron's, Aaron, my wife, has been watching a, a show on TV um, called Alone. Some of you may be familiar with it, where they put people out in the woods, and uh, they're all by themselves, and whoever can stay out there and live the longest wins. Seems like an, an act of suffering to me, but whatever. People seem to enjoy what's going on there, and they give a lot of money to whoever can stay out there the longest. But what's been interesting to me, just sitting and watching a few minutes, and then coming back in, sitting and watching a few minutes, there is a common theme that comes up as these people are talking to their own camera with all the people. What they start saying is, we weren't meant to be alone. <laughs> we weren't, people were not made to be by themselves. And they say, the hardest part is just by yourself. There's no interaction, there's no connectedness, or no, there's no togetherness. We were not meant, whatever's going on in that show, there's a good insight there. We were not meant to be alone. We were not meant to walk by ourselves in our faith. And God wants us to do that, to be there for each other. So there's all sorts of maybe unfinished business in our relationships that, that we need to, to build. Maybe even in people in your life. Write down Matthew 5, 23 and 24. 
As Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, He says, if you're presenting your offering at the altar, of course, He's, he's thinking about Old Testament worship here. If you're presenting your offering at the altar, and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your offering there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother, and then come and present your offering. Jesus says, before you worship, think about your relationships, and you may have some unfinished business in your relationships. You may have someone you need to go talk to. You may have someone you need to go apologize to. You may have someone that you need to go at least from your side, you can't affect their side, but at least from your side to say, you know, we need to, we need to make things right. Do you have somebody like that in your life? Let's rebuild those things this year as best we can. They, again, they have their own decisions to make. But as much as depends on us, we want to be at peace with all men, as Paul says in the book of Romans. What, what unfinished business is there in our relationships? Let's work on it. Let's help each other. Let's encourage each other. What can you do to lift somebody else up? We want to be asking ourselves those questions this year. And then number three, we want to be building God's church as best we can. Now, in an ultimate sense, God builds His church. He's in charge of it. He leads the way. But we as His hands and His feet and His voice here on earth, we, we want to try, want to try our best to partner with God, as Paul would say it, and come alongside God and prayerfully help God's kingdom grow. Again, back in Ephesians chapter 2, he says, The whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord. We want to keep calling people into that holy building of God, God's church. God has put you and I in a county of 950,000 people, thereabouts. 950,000 souls. And all of us, all of us, those 950,000, will stand before God one day and answer for how we've lived and whether we've given our lives to Jesus Christ or not. And either the blood of Jesus is going to be covering us and covering our sins or it's not. We have a message people need to hear. Starting with ourselves, we have a message people need to hear. We want to build God's church this year. And God has blessed us as a church family. We, as we enter 2023, we have more members in our church family than we've ever had before. We have more ministers to try to help organize and reach out and, and, and help in those ways than we've ever had before. We, we have more people in Bible classes than we've ever had before. We have more people on Sunday morning worshiping together than we've ever had before. God, God has blessed us with some things. There's some responsibilities there too, aren't there? If we want to build God's church, and I hope we do, what can we do with more people than we've ever had before? Hopefully it means not just having more people, but reaching out more than ever, helping each other more than ever. Being an encouragement to each other more than ever. And if we're going to do that, it's going to take all of us. It's going, to take, it's going to take everyone doing what they can do to help God's church in this community with so many hundreds of thousands of souls right outside our door to help bring as many as we can to Jesus Christ. It's going to take all of us. We need all of us to, to arise and build, to not, just, to not just sit quietly and let others serve, but to do what we, what we all can, whatever that is. God's given you talents. He's given you opportunities. Don't just keep them for yourself. Give them to the work of God. Let's put our hands to the good work this year and whatever we can do. Revelation chapter 3, verses 1 through 3, Jesus is giving His words to the church in a place called Sardis. He says, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds. You have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. That's interesting to me. It's possible for people to think you're alive in your faith, but you're really not. 
Um, we're, we're not aiming at fake faith. We're aiming at real faith, and individually and as a church. We don't want to just look like we're alive in faith. We want to really be alive in faith. He says, but, but that's not you, Sardis. He says, wake up, rise up, strengthen the things that remain which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God. Sardis, you have some unfinished business that you have not done as a church. There are some things that you could do that you're just not doing, that you know you should do, that you're just not doing. He says in verse 3, remember what you've received. You received the gospel. You received Jesus Christ. Remember what you've received and heard and keep it and repent. Turn around. Repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. Sometimes Jesus looks at churches and says, you look like you're alive, but you're not. I know your faith. I know your heart. Let's serve God in a real way. I believe, I believe there's a real faith here. I'm sure not saying we're Sardis, but I don't ever want to be. That's what I'm saying. I don't ever want to be Sardis. I don't ever want God to look at us and say, you know, you got some unfinished business you're not doing that you should be doing. Whatever we can do for the Lord, we want to do it. Let's build God's church this year as best we can. So this year, in our faith, as Nehemiah 2.18 says it, let us arise and build. Let's build our faith. Let's build our relationships. Let's build God's church. And I trust God will lead the way, and it will be a great year for all of us. I want to end with one final thought. Because we talked a lot this morning about how we often have unfinished business, how we often fall short, how there's things where we haven't done what we should have done. The good news is Jesus is not that way. As Jesus said in his prayer in John 17, verse 4, he's praying to God the Father. He says, I glorified you on the earth, having accomplished the work which you have given me to do. Jesus says, I've, I have done, I have done what you wanted me to do. And if you remember Jesus on the cross, as he hangs there paying the price for our sins, what does he say to the Father? It is finished. Whereas you and I often have unfinished business, and, and in some sense we always will. We will never be perfect. We will never be Jesus. We will always, there will always be a gap between what we should be and what we are. Whereas we always have unfinished business, we stand on the finished work of Jesus Christ. And that's what Christianity is all about. Is that you and I, in spite of our sins, in spite of our struggles, in spite of our shortcomings, we stand on the finished work of Jesus. That's where salvation is. That's where grace is. That's how we're all going to stand before God at the end of time, covered by the blood of Jesus. And it's because of His grace and His love that it motivates us to say, let us arise and build. Let's be more for God than we've ever been before. God is always ready to receive us back home. Whenever we get to that place in our hearts where we know we need to come closer to Him, He's always ready and He's given us a church. He's given us a church to be ready to help stand alongside us along the way. This morning, maybe, maybe you've been thinking about becoming a Christian. If you'd like to talk about that privately, let us know. We'd love to show you what the Bible says, let you make your own decision. It's a decision you'll never regret. You'll never regret giving your life to Jesus, letting Him wash your sins away. Here's how you do it in Scripture. When you believe in Jesus, it's exactly what Peter said in Acts 2.38. Repent and be baptized. In the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. 
you haven't been baptized in Christ this morning, maybe you're ready today. Maybe you'd like to let all of us know that you're ready to become a Christian. We'd love to see you do that. Or maybe you'd like the whole church to pray for you. Maybe you're ready to recommit yourself in faith. Perhaps this is the day that you step forward and say, I need your prayers, I'm going through a hard time. Maybe this is the day you step forward and say, I need to, I need to start building my faith again. I've been, I've been apathetic. I've been standing on the sidelines. I want people to know that I want to give my life to God fully. We'd love to pray for you about that or anything else. If you'd like to respond publicly, you're invited to come to the front now while we stand and while we sing. Yeah,